may have even flown during World War II and probably seen such. Uh, it, it was a disturbing thing for a pilot to see something that could go five or six or maybe even ten times faster than he could, and he knew that it wasn't some other, some other person's, some other country's weapon like Germany or Japan. They just didn't have anything like that. Okay, we have another photograph. We have flying discs in neutron flash cloud. Joint Army Navy, Navy Task Force 1 photograph. And here are three discs off left wingtip, official U.S. Navy photograph. Uh, this one's got an unknown release date. And here's this attempting to leave ground zero, second A-bomb blast, Joint Army Navy Task Force 1 photograph, released 2 August 46. And here are discs leaving ocean from ground zero, second A-bomb blast, Joint Army Navy Task Force 1 photograph. Uh, these photographs were probably the first ever shown to the public regarding what the military, U.S. military, knew about flying discs, especially after they perjured themselves in front of the United States Congress in 1947. They absolutely lied. They said that they didn't know anything about the subject. That was a bunch of rumor. Now, if I can go to the second And here we have, once again, Operation Crossroads, Ground Zero, 1946. Here's a picture of Bikini, where it is. It's uh, about 1,800 miles away from the Hawaiian Islands, uh, somewhere like that. There's a, and of course, they put uh, old, everything from garbage scows to ships to captured armament, just to see the effect of the A-bomb. Uh, we have numerous disks attempting escape, attempting escape. So they knew that they were escaping, and they probably knew that they were going to be vaporized by the atomic bomb blast. Joint Army Navy Task Force 1 photograph, and release date of 2 August 1946. And here's time rift and discs at ground zero. Now time rift is where an A-bomb literally rips apart the fabric of time itself. And now that was also a Joint Army Navy Task Force 1 photograph. Uh, of course, we have here, we have some young sailors watching the A-bomb blast from about 12 miles out getting an atomic suntan. <laughs> uh, I don't know if they're uh, still around, but hope they are. And here's, here's a rare overview of the atomic cloud taken by a remote control aircraft. And remote control anything in 1946 was a rarity. Uh, especially a large aircraft. Flying discs attempting to escape from ground zero. Once again, Joint Army Navy Task Force 1 photograph. I have over 7,800 photographs my father left me. They appear as small, small black and white dots, and they're inside the cloud itself throughout the picture. I'll, I'll leave them up here so you can take a closer look if you'd like. Now we get to a slightly different subject. Um, Operation Invisibility, the Rainbow Project. 
Al Bielik sitting back there. He's a sole survivor, one of the sole survivors of the Philadelphia experiment where uh, I believe, uh, if I got it right, uh, uh, the U.S. Navy actually succeeded in, in developing a device within a Navy ship to cause it to disappear out of the scope of reality, physically disappear. Well, here's a time variance briefing aboard the USS Eldridge in, the, in one of its ready rooms. It's an Army Photographic Agency. Release date is unknown. Personnel attending briefing is, now you've probably often heard uh, uh, Frank Strangers mention perhaps of a fellow that uh, is kind of controversial. His name was Valiant or Val Thor. That was the name tacked on to a supposed captured alien uh, who supposedly uh, got us involved with uh, uh, undoing alien technology and, and converting it over to our own technology. Incidentally, uh, this particular fellow is Valiant Thor. There's my father in the background. Here's uh, Anatoly Yaglu and Jack Parsons and other people are in the background. Uh, and that's Naval Scientific Operations Photograph. Once again, here's Valiant Val Thor with an unknown OSS agent, Philadelphia Navy Yard, 19, August 1943. Uh, this man, by the way, is still employed at the Pentagon. He lives under in, in some per, particularly special place uh, in and around the Pentagon. At one time, he lived in the third sub-basement. He had a whole floor to himself. And from what I understand from my father, Otto Oscar Schneider, uh, he was, uh, he hasn't basically aged in 58 years, so he has a rather nice long lifespan. Now this one is the bomb blast of Nagasaki, Japan. It's a rather famous photograph, Operation Overlord. There were over 180,000 plus casualties. Uh, the famous part of the photograph, of course, is the clouds that are forming. The, uh, the updraft have formed a, a human face in the bottom. Uh, I think everybody's seen that, has seen a picture of that angry looking human face, kind of peculiar. This at one time was secret and it's been professionally scratched out with the so-called, end quote, broom. And this is just after the blast, 16 ten thousandths of a second after the blast, basically. Um, anyway, there's the photograph, and that was uh, that was one of the bombs going off. And once again, there's all kinds of interesting objects in the in the photograph. Uh, believe it to you, or what they may be, I, they were never identified as discs, but some of them look like uh, discs streaking out at high speed. Can't, can't be certain. And here we have a, a series of pictures uh, of all the different F-117As. Here's an aerial photograph of, of Groom Lake. Uh, here's a big view. Uh, according to the gentleman up here, it just happened to uh, have told me uh, the aurora doesn't exist. I've seen something fly that flies awful rapid, leaving a kind of a donut on, 
on a rope uh, signature behind it and, and making a series of sputtering sounds that are sonic booms, like 10 or 15 of them in a row. So it's got to be some form of transatmospheric plane. Uh, here's a picture uh, of Paul Benowitz. Paul Benowitz uh, ran Thunder Scientific Corporation. He was going to go public with the entire information about Kirtland Air Force Base and UFOs and that kind of thing like that. He was psychiatrically abused. He was uh, against his will. He was put in a mental institution and his brain basically made a vegetable of him. And, and uh, his uh, brother and sister uh, spent a lot of money getting him out of that situation. He, is, he can't even write his own name. He was a brilliant physicist who worked for both the Navy as well as the Air Force. Um, and other things go on and on and on. And these kind of atrocities must stop because secrecy is one thing, but when you use federal law to subvert really good people, then that gets to be another question indeed. Here's my best friend, Ron Lee Rummel. He, uh, he wrote a number of uh, interesting articles called Alien Digest. Uh, which, uh, I've been on uh, the Fox TV show Encounters. Uh, his death was called a suicide. It's now being reinvestigated as, as a homicide. Two of three people have been implicated. One was a U.S. Navy, uh, excuse me, a U.S. Uh, see, we got one was a got two in custody. One was an NSA and one was an ATF or they were retired and they didn't like what this person was doing and so I guess they decided to get rid of him. He's my best friend. I grew up with him. I knew him for the better part of 30 years. He's about the most honest person. He came clean with everything. If he didn't know it 100%, he didn't talk about it. He worked at Groom Lake. That other people have poo-pooed that, but he is also he is found, like Bob Lazar, he was found in a telephone directory the Los Alamos uh, uh, telephone directory. So, regardless of what we may say, that this, this subject can be dangerous to our health if we don't watch out. I'm here for one sole purpose. Our federal government structure said we're not going to allow this out to the public for fear it might panic you. I don't see a person in this crowd that probably already hasn't learned enough about the UFO field to have uh, gone out and had a mental breakdown. Uh, I don't believe in some 39 talks that I've given, some internationally, I don't believe I've ever run across a single person who couldn't take the information who came up to me or, or had left crying in tears. They were all happy to hear that these kind of things did happen, that the public has been waiting consciously and anxiously for the better part of 60 years for this kind of information and our military continues to hold it secret and above the law and it's got to go it's it's wrong this kind of punitive policy is what's wrecking our country right now we have right now we have a federal government totally out of control totally totally disobeying every every constitutional law we have 
and they're just running roughshod over over its people. And, and and somewhere down the line, I believe our founding fathers once ta one time told us it said they warned us of this. They warned us not to bring out this beast. And if, if it ever did happen, we are to overturn it. Now, does that mean that we have to we have to take these people on a one-to-one? -one? They got missiles and tanks, and all we've got is an occasional pop gun. Come on! But it does look like, uh, especially in light of recent events with the Waco hearings and others, total whitewash. We are getting nothing but lies and innuendo from our officials who are supposed to tell the truth. By the way, an official who lies to Congress, not only guilty of lying to Congress, contempt of Congress, they're guilty of treason. And I don't see any people being lined up and arrested for this travesty. I haven't seen it. Not at all. Uh, what's really peculiar about the government structure, a lot of, of course, a lot of these areas like Groom Lake, they're military reservations, military law and civilian law, are two different things. Military law completely sidesteps the U.S. Constitution. Civilian law generally obeys or goes by it. A lot of these uh, reservations, too, are on Indian reservations or adjacent to Indian reservations. And once again, U.S. Constitution doesn't apply. So when we think very carefully now exactly where we're going, we must be told the truth. We, it, all of us in this room, in some capacity, has to, whether we write our Congress people, whether we talk to people, whether we uh, have a tea party and talk to them, we have to, we have to, and we must insist upon the truth by our elected officials, and we must also insist that they take an oath that if they lie, they get impeached. And, and, I have a number of other artifacts up here on the table, which I'll show you. I'll let each and every one of you file by and take a look at them. I'd appreciate it, however, if you don't handle them, you can look at them. Inside of these two small Ziploc bags are, are some metallic fragments. Uh, I was given this when I was 14 years old. My dad was visiting in England uh, with uh, Sir Johnny Rollins at that time. He was a naval sea lord in Britain. And he was well aware of uh, crashed saucer remains. He had collected a number of artifacts and I, I like a 14 year old boy, I asked him, I said, gee, can I have a piece? He says, sure, no problem. My dad protested violently, but uh, it didn't work. He says, sure, I'll give you a little piece. And there they are. And of course, um, the way they finally broke the skin of this particular craft, they dropped it in a bath of liquid nitrogen, that kind of, and then they used either a sledgehammer or some, some striking device and they broke it apart. But this is composed of different elements not found in, 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 the, in the correct elemental way on Earth at that time couldn't have been manufactured by any country. Now we have the ram coating off of certain aircraft. Uh, a buddy of mine sent them to me. They're called Aurora Drops. They kind of look like lava. Uh, they 
the aircraft literally drips this material off itself when it comes in after after a long flight. Uh, the edges of which, and some of the more vulnerable uh, points, uh, literally drip this material on the in quote tarmac or the cement mac, the runway, is scooped up, and I don't know what they do with it. Anyway, here are some of the pieces of that. Incidentally, this particular coating was see all this so the, just the just the fact that we have these kind of aircraft out, out of basically nowhere uh, was a combination of a lot of geniuses working together in one in one in quote skunk works operation. Uh, believe it or not, from what I hear, that. Uh, these two planes were actually refused some 10 years earlier. Oh, they're not going to fly us. That's a bunch of poppycock. Why don't you go back to your drawing board and do something else? But it's not that that I'm looking at. It's the skin and it's also the aeroframe. The aeroframes are made of metals not found on the earth and cannot be made on the earth. They're composite metals. Composite metals are nothing new. But when you combine them with elements higher than 109, then you get into some peculiar aspects indeed. You get, in, you get into mixing basically element 109, and at my table I have a revised list of the elements, 140 of them now, of which some 30 of them are alien or have been captured from alien technology down to alien spacecraft of various sorts. and, and uh, so-called alien, uh, uh, captured alien technology. And at my table I have a revised list of the elements, 140 of them now, of which some 30 of them are alien or have been captured from alien technology down to alien spacecraft of various sorts and, and uh, so-called alien, uh, uh, captured alien technology. Anyway, when you combine element 109 through 115 with certain of Earth's elements, it becomes kind of like a powdered metal and becomes extremely light, extremely hard, tensile, 20 or 50, 20 to 50 times harder than a diamond, uh, quite malleable and flexible. Um, once again, these two aircraft and I'm not the only one talking about this. There are people that worked in the skunk, project, uh, skunk Works projects that have talked about this for years. So I'm not the only one. You can poo-poo maybe one or two, but now you can't poo-poo 20 or 30 people. And basically, I'm here to point out that these kind of things were from crash flying saucers originally. And we adapted the technology to fit our own technological environment. I might also want to put by something for every 12 calendar months that goes by regularly in the in the regular world. In the regular world, there's about 44.2 years of military technology. Maybe this is why, for instance, in 1943, they were able to U.S. Navy and other operations were able to cause a number of ships to disappear. The reason, of course, was if we could get a disappearing ship we could uh, avoid all the uh, destructive elements of the U-boat attacks and uh, we could win the war faster. And that's quite plausible. 
his piece of titanium metal and it has a number of lighter composites lighter composites in it it's extremely hard it approaches the hardness of a diamond uh, it's used in the airframes of the F-117A and the B-2 bomber and anyway this kind of metal is a pretty hard customer indeed it's uh, kind of rings like a bell. It's also, you can't rust it. Uh, it's, uh, it's basically impervious to laser attack and laser, laser equipment. Charged particle beam will wipe it out, but, uh, but a laser doesn't do much to it at all. Here is a alien converted over technology. It's a hunk of niobium titanium rhenium steel that's in a scalenohedral crystalline form and these bars supposedly are formed in outer space uh, I'm not privy to how they're formed that way I've never been or seen those kind of operations but they are nonetheless formed that way I've heard this from several different people here is a lighter than lithium ceramic metal it's used somehow in the uh, uh, internal parts of the, both the jet engines as well as the grid bed nuclear engines of some of the advanced craft that are being flown out of some of these secret areas. Here's most interesting of all element 123, Miranite. It's an orange gold metal uh, with uh, in Earth, there's only six basic crystal systems. This has a totally different crystal system from any of them. And uh, it's about twice as heavy as uranium. And here's the ceramic metal in this tabular scalenohedral crystalline form is used on some of the ram coatings or as part of the ram coatings of some of these type of aircraft. And here is an interesting fossil. It was found in and around Groom Lake, Tikaboo Valley. And uh, it has the same crystalline structure as an instantly petrified piece of material found at either Hiroshima or Nagasaki, like plant life. It's similar garlic and, and other kinds of plant life that were instantly crystallized subatomically and uh, this is the same thing but there's only one problem this is about 30 to 35 million years old or who's playing around with atomic technology then this is exactly the same crystalline structure as found on the fossil instantly petrified fossil life or plant life both Hiroshima and Nagasaki so you might ask who's playing around that time this too is also a piece of agatized, uh, it's an agatized ball fungi from a cave. And once again, something is that perfectly cut it, uh, probably very rapidly cut it. It hasn't been fractured and re-cemented itself, but it's been perfect, perfectly cut in such a way that it got 
instantly petrified with a similar crystalline structure, and this is quite a bit older. This is about 85 million years. Once again, who was playing around with atomic technology 85 million years ago, what we now know as Brazil. Here's a piece of petrified wood from the John Day fossil beds. Some years ago I found this and in around that area. And it shows this hole all the way around it, or this cutting mark is done by insect damage. But if you look at the fibers carefully, you'll notice that they're, they're all bent inward. It's like something is, is very thin, is cut right through it and it, the plant doesn't know it's been chopped in half yet and some of the sugar in it has crystallized and become agate perfectly preserved piece of oak limb and uh, once again it's about a hundred million years old and once again it's an out-of-place artifact or unanswerable uh, And here's a picture that was given to me by a lady who lives in Alaska. It's an out-of-place artifact that found in one of six found in the western states. This one's found uh, in southern Idaho. And it's believed to be a magnetic confinement device for plasmic experiment or maybe the manufacture of fuels. Uh, Anyway, it's of a metal not found on Earth. Uh, it was 600 feet deep. Oh, what did they find? They ended up digging this thing up. Of course, it's in uh, U.S. Army archives. And uh, so, uh, once again, we have our government says, no, I don't think this becomes public domain. I think we're going to take care of it. And they've made up our mind for us. Well, these are just some of the objects that I've collected over the time. Uh, basically, I'd like to mention that uh, that there aren't enough people talking about things that shouldn't be held secret. Things of the ancient atomic age that are still held secret after 50 and almost 60 years. Flying discs that have been seen basically in the United States since 1909. The first one was recorded by the U.S. Army. Uh, cavalry in 1909 in southern Utah area. Um, they didn't know what to make of them then, I guess. That kind of scared the heck out of them. But once again, these things are held in secrecy or are above top secret because we have allowed a federal government structure to say, well, or rule that we are not responsible and they're totally responsible. I think it's quite the other way around. I think we're more than responsible and they're totally out of touch with us. Case in point, the Roswell incident. The Roswell incident, it was stonewalled. Basically, the mili Joint Military Congress, as they call it, got together and said, no, I don't think you as a senator, there were four independent senators that wanted the information out in the public domain and these individuals within the various military structures said, no, we're not going to allow it out. And you as a senator at our 
declared an incompetent person or not a responsible person anyway and don't need to have this information. In other words, you don't need to know because you're stupid. Well, unfortunately, that doesn't wash with me. It doesn't wash with a lot of you, maybe millions of us. What we have to do is we have to inform our officials, vigorously inform them that they are public servants, that they are not our slaves, but they are public servants in public service, that the rules and regulations that they've made in the past have to be changed. Once again, we've allowed too few people to rule over us like kings and queens. Now, when a senator or a president is told, no, you're not, you're not going to tell this to the public, and maybe it's quite possible that uh, uh, President Kennedy, John F. Kennedy, was, I've heard the story, he was going to come clean with the uh, whole UFO structure and and uh, do away with certain government agencies that were not only a waste of the taxpayers' money, but but had basically not a not a use except to subvert subvert the government as we know it. Uh, he was murdered. He was killed, assassinated, and of course, once again, we got we got the local lie and innuendo to the point where we're made to believe something happened when a lot of us believe that that's probably not what happened or what occurred. Uh, and the list could go on and on and so the basis of my talk is to show you that this kind of technology has existed and probably has existed on this planet for thousands of years and how did the ancients treat it the ancients thought, thought they were gods and they either worshiped them or or they or basically people that knew them were privileged that knew of them. They wrote deep, like Ezekiel, for instance, he wrote down, he must have been a scientist type. He would have made a great nuclear scientist, I think, because he wrote everything down just as he saw it. This amazing pair of two eyes that that fellow had, because he wrote everything down roughly 3,500 years ago in perfect detail. And of course, we have Egyptian pharaohs who saw them and, and wrote them down also. And, and throughout all of history, this has occurred. I think it's time we, as a concerned public in mass, demand that this information be made public. It will not hurt us a bit. And by the way, I believe George Washington one time was caught saying, an uninformed people is a people, is a group of people in slavery. Now, that was said over 200 years ago, and it's very true today. We have been led in the dark, and I believe if we really seriously get out in mass and demand to see more than just the Roswell incident, some of these other incidents that have happened 50 and 40 and 30, and maybe even as close as 10 or 15 years ago, if we get out and, and see for ourselves and make our own judgment and take our own responsibility rather than have the government do it for us. Don't you think that's a better way to do business? Oaths of secrecy are illegal. It is a travesty 
beyond belief when you are forced to sign an oath of secrecy saying that if you reveal this, you're going to be guilty of treason or thereabouts. This has nothing to do with treason. This has everything to do with truth. This has everything to do with how we as informed and concerned citizenry of these wonderful United States, and I've been in over 70 countries and I haven't found a place better yet, can be informed and knowledgeable if there is such thing as an attack on planet Earth by a number of these uh, specific alien races and crafts, or if they're benevolent and they're all being shot down by the military or all being, all being basically spirited off to military bases, and I help build underground military bases. I work for EG&G, Morrison Knudsen, Bechtel, Page and & Page, and a host of other construction outfits, not counting one I did in Vietnam as a construction worker. And I can tell you for a fact that some of these bases that are built underground are scary indeed because, and Al Bielek will mention, he's been on a number of the high-speed trains that link for thousands of miles these different underground bases. Now, the black budget as we know it garners over $500 billion a year in secret money to build and keep building underground bases and, and the like. It's $1.023 trillion every two years. That's roughly $500 billion a year. I think we could better use that money in the public sector we could better use that money uh, training people so that we could become more competitive in a more competitive world rather than just freely handed over in it, willy nilly to some government group who's just going to spend it on building underground bases. The average underground base, for instance, is four and a quarter cubic miles hollowed out underground. The cubic mile is a mighty big space. Tunneling machines. And Richard Souter, Ph.D., wrote a recent book this year about underground tunnels and bases. What is the government trying to hide? Now, I can see a few of them built in case there's a nuclear war so that the president and a few of his entourage can escape Holocaust and, and, and somehow, hopefully, uh, reappear when it's all over. But when you're talking about 129 of these across the country, the size of the 48 states, They've been building them day and night, unceasingly, since 1940. I would have to say that this is not an exercise in prudence. This is an exercise in subversion. Subversion is a form of treason. Now, I haven't been one to make policy, but I think if we all got together and did some serious questioning, I think we could get to the bottom of all this. And I, and I know also that if our government really did know fully well about Foo Fighters, it's all been written down, the answers point to yes, and flying saucers detailed in every degree as early as 1946, this is almost 1996, 50 years hence, and we're still being given the snow job, or oh, it's a weather balloon, or it's dust on the lens, or it's your imagination. You know how many people in the United States have seen a UFO? Believe in UFOs? According to the Roper Report, 
which is a reporting agency, part of the Remington Rand Corporation. 106 million people in this country have seen them. Now, I can believe a few people might be crackpotish and promote these kind of stories and that kind of thing, but 106 million people? And then worldwide, we're talking about over a billion people have seen them. Not counting about what's happening down in Mexico City as I speak. They're just coming out of the woodwork out there. But people are filming it with their video cameras. And in Mexico, it is not a crime to ask a government official what a UFO is. In this country, it's still a crime. In fact, it's a felony. But if I decided to ask uh, somebody who's perhaps an Air Force general, and that Air Force general or, or officer decided to divulge that information, not only would he be guilty, but I'd be guilty for hearing it. Now, somewhere, somewhere, that isn't what I heard what the United States is supposed to be like. I always heard that we were supposed to be a freedom-loving people and not subjected by our dictators, as I call them, or our politicians who've now decided to run themselves to such a point that they're kings and queens over us. I believe that we can still turn this country around, but we're going to have to start asking questions and we're going to have to start demanding answers and demand we, if, it, if it takes class action lawsuit, which I'm already engaged in doing because of these pictures, because if the government lied to Congress in 1947, a class action lawsuit by one or more people would bring out a lot more information. Another thing, a lot of this information is actually out to the public. But once again, if you use the Library of Congress, you have to have a special card presented to you by the uh, Navy Criminal Investigation Services in case you uh, decide to uh, commit a crime or the FBI or something like that. Once again, you're suspected of being a criminal when you're doing your homework. I don't think this is America. I'm not hearing this right. I'm not hearing to the point where this kind of information that isn't coming out is, is hurting us in any way. We're not babies. We're individuals, we're, a lot of us are grown-ups, most of us in this room are. And I have to say one thing, most of us, I'd say 99% of us in this room are responsible people. Most of us are professional people. Most of us are up to our neck in innuendo on why in the heck this happens. Once again, back to the, uh, back to the Library of Congress, a lot of these titles for UFO information are carefully hidden. They're in stack call rooms. You need special IDs and this kind of thing. Is this what I'm hearing? Is this prudent? Is this freedom? No. Phil, could you, could you share with us your personal experience building like down below 51 and Dalton so forth? Yeah. My, pers my personal experience started better part of 17 years ago when I worked for Morrison Knudsen. We worked in and around Area 51. We tunneled out better than nine cubic miles underground. We built just about everything that uh, so-called black jets are housed on that fly out of that uh, 
bases, barracks, you name it, it was all there. Uh, Area 51 is a, it's, by the way, Area 51 is a bit, we've been told recently about two years ago, it doesn't exist. By the way, if it doesn't exist and I'm talking about it, I guess I'm not guilty of anything if I divulge the information. Well, it does exist. It's right here. In fact, on this map, there's Groom Lake. There's S4 near on the other side of Lathrop Wells. There's R4808E, all the mountain chains and everything like that. That's an aerial map of 1966 realm that was given to me. Groom Lake is in Nevada. It's just uh, north of Las Vegas. It's one of the largest military, it's part of the Nellis Air Force Base Tonopah Test Range complexes. It has recently taken the mountaintops, like Whitesides Mountain, so people can't climb up there with their spyglasses and look at new kinds of aircraft. They thought they were seeing UFOs. Maybe they are. Uh, people have sworn, many people, dozens of people, that we are now flying UFO, captured UFOs that are repaired, that are made whole, made for us to fly. Uh, whatever is occurring, is this what I'm hearing? That uh, once again our government says another big lie, says, well, this base doesn't exist. Oh, really? Huh, that's interesting. Over, over 10,000 people work there from time to time on shifts, most of them in, in the cover of darkness. Most flights of the uh, F-117A fly out of there. No, it doesn't exist, does it? How many years did you work? I worked 11 of 17 years in black projects in and around Groom Lake. Bill, also share with us how they build those tunnels. The tunnels are built basically with not your usual conventional boring machines, but the tunnels are built with uh, kind of a a plasmic laser that literally melts through the rock up to seven miles a day. It, it, it vaporizes the rock material. Enough of the rock material is deflagrated and melted and it's used as a coating of the wall that's behind it. It's a very sophisticated piece of equipment. It's been around for 25 years. So when we say the old drilling equipment, you see all the, uh, all the ads for the old drilling equipment, that's uh, stuff that was around in World War II and were, between World War I and World War II. Once again, we're, we're been sold down the river and lied to, saying that that's the only equipment around capable of doing such. Sold poppycock. Uh, new kinds of equipment. They have ways of completely using shape charge blasting. My basic job was to crawl down in a hole, pick up rock samples, bring them up to the surface, analyze the grain structure, and analyze what kind of explosive to use if an explosive was needed to hollow out or build a specific military base. And I'm full, fully aware of what explosives can do and how strong they are and I might want to also add that um, uh, that the recent uh, explanation of the Oklahoma City bombing by our local federal government was a total whitewash. Uh, fertilizer bomb could not have done the damage. It only is composed of 20,000 pounds per square inch pressure maximum. 
the damage that was done to the Alfred P. Murrah building in Oklahoma City exceeded 170,000 pounds per square inch, and that had to be on something, some form of other weapon or other bomb. Um, a number of engineers have also written in and said that this is what we're saying. We want you now to start telling us the truth. Of course, it hasn't happened. Sad, but that's the way it, the way it goes. In, in working on these bases, I, I worked also with, in, throughout the United States. I worked in uh, Dulce, New Mexico. In 1979, I was lowered down a hole to analyze more rock samples, and we had found a whole cache of uh, underground uh, alien involvement to which I was uh, absolutely petrified of what you might call a large gray. A number of Secret Service and Delta Force people some 66 of them lost their lives that day, all because the government didn't tell them the truth about what was going on. And so once again, we were uninformed and we were attacked and we were butchered by an entity that's highly evil indeed. I have suffered wounds from it since then. And the, I was basically incinerated or shot in the stomach or in, in the side area of my ribs here. And, and it basically opened me up like a kind of like a sardine can and destroyed my rib cage and basically cooked, cooked my guts. And I was lucky to make it out alive. I had killed two of them. I carried a small pistol with me, a little Walter PPK pistol with a nine shot clip. And I emptied, I had time to empty one clip into two of them. And uh, they, yes, they are mortal. They do go down. Uh, however, uh, do we, as prudent citizens of these United States, if there's a real alien threat out there, I'd like to know about it. I think you'd like to know about it because we could prepare ourselves for the event if something like this is happening. I'm not one to panic people, but I'll tell you right now, I'm scared to death of what's down below our feet because we have not been told the truth at all. We have, there's no hint, all this is kept top secret, above top secret, which is hogwash. And once again, we've been led down the path and, and basically we're, we're cannon fodder. We're, we're not to be uh, uh, told these kind of things. It's, it's above, the, above the line of secrecy of this kind of thing. But secrecy is choking the very life of our country and we need to, we need to reassess as individuals, as well as the government, we need to reassess exactly what's going on, and we need to ask first in a nicer way, and then in a more forceful way, and maybe in the worst way possible, it looks like if we can't get any results, it does look like we're going to have to throw the bombs out. I don't advocate such things. I think. I think this kind of revolution kind of thing, or this hype I keep hearing about revolution, is uh, it always ends up killing the wrong people. But it does, it's, it's, every day goes by, it's, it's pointing to the fact that we're going to have to, we're going to have to be the militia, all of us. We're going to have to be in some capacity, some form of militia to get these crumb bums off our back because no matter what we talk about, no matter what we ask of them, they are not obeying. They are not complacent. They're not complying with our, 
with our simple demands. Bill, yeah. Uh, in the few minutes we got left, I want you to share what happened to you, and then I want Mike okay. to authenticate that he has seen your wounds. All right. Uh, at Delphi, New Mexico, I had this kind of like a charged particle beam device, and it hit me in the chest and it fused and cauterized my ribs and bones and everything, and I faced several bouts of cancer since. I lost the lung over it. I lost some fingers over it. I lost my, I scared me out of my wits. I didn't crack, I should have, but I didn't. Uh, but I lost my ability to believe that aliens are benevolent. I'm sure there are some races that are, but this particular moment in time, these were bad news indeed. What happened the last three weeks? In the last three weeks, I've been talking vigorously about these subjects and other subjects, and uh, I've been shot at. I was shot up here, in here, over here, and in my leg. In fact, the small bullet hit, hit my leg bone and, and did a wig, you know, did a snake, and I had my whole leg cut open to extract it. Uh, I was with a retired FBI agent whom I've become recently become friends with. He says, you're not only being brave by doing this, you're being exceptionally so. But uh, he and I were going to talk to a radio talk show down near Salem, Oregon, and these two vans of individuals came by, and uh, they all had uh, G10 license plates on them, and uh, which I believe, at that time I believed was either FBI or, or some other form of government vehicle. Anyway, uh, they we they passed us and shot on the right and both on the left and uh, kind of shot me up a little bit. Uh, how, many, how many bullet holes in the car? Uh, 43. Uh, Phil, you don't know this, but uh, not that it's a, meant necessarily a big deal, but a G10 license plate just pulled up and came in, uh, checked in seven people into the hotel. No good. Let them, let them come and hear what I have to say. I'll give them, I'll give them an education. Excuse me. Uh, uh, Mike Russ has personally seen all his wounds here. Mike is one of our local members. I picked him up. Uh, okay. Okay. All right, I picked him up at the airport. No? Got to talk into it. Hello? There. Is that better? All right, I picked him up at the airport, and we've been uh, together basically uh, somewhat off and on. The bullet holes are there. I've, I've seen them all. He's, the one on the leg is about like yay. Oh, so I don't think he wants to drop his gun, but uh, it was there. He has been shot, and the government is after him. And we've been just trying to move him around and take care of this guy the best. We've been trying to take care of him the best we can. Right now, I have a federal restraining order against such action. It means diddly squat. Uh, the feds can violate any time they wish. By the way, if somebody gives me a restraining order and I say boo to them, I, I go to jail for a year. Somewhere, somewhere the law didn't meet my needs, and it surely has given them too much uh, liberal, or liberal uh, consequences. 
This is a problem that the clock keeps rolling, and time is up for Bill Butt. Tomorrow he will uh, go into a lot more time for those of you who can be here. More detail, too. And, and you can see a lot of these things up, up close. And uh, it's marked tomorrow afternoon. He's willing to share as much information as possible to just to let you know that uh, from somebody who's been there and done that. Uh, yeah, it'll be video, audio. I don't know about video. What mm time? -hmm. It's uh, tomorrow afternoon. Tomorrow afternoon. I think it starts from uh, 130. 1.30 1.30 to 4.30. Will be my workshop. Anyway, this is what he's done to be here. Risk my uh, life in, in being here. Now, th that was, uh, th then you were shot at twice in the last three weeks. Actually, there's been more, there's been more than that. Uh, uh, in, within the last four months, nine attempts on my life have taken place. And uh, I'm still here. Evidently, it seemed like something like the cat with nine lives, is it? I don't know. Cat was nine lives. Can we have a short question and answer? Well, no, we can't because we've. Uh, okay. uh, can we've, I take two? Yes. Uh, I mean, have you got a question about what to do with the dirt when they when they dig out all them four cubic miles? Oh, why? We know that. Well, the bases are being built basically to uh, to house uh, alien involvement, uh, research and development labs. Uh, other kinds of things like that. Uh, right now, the military is involved in in building biological weapons out of alien uh, uh, alien uh, byproducts, alien body byproducts. Uh, I'm not so certain, but I think AIDS and other kinds of diseases are that are too smart to be regular diseases, regularly formed diseases have form have been formulated this way and tested out on an unwitting and unwilling populace. Once again, we've been led down the golden path, and, and once again, we've been lied to vigorously. And no, we've it's got to stop. If we, if we value the freedom that we call these United States, this kind of activity has to come to a screeching halt, and we have to take, oh, we have to take back our government, to which we are entitled to do so. Right. If we don't do this, and we just become a bunch of sheep, then, then, then that's another story, I guess. Thanks very much, Phil. We just have to go on. Let him. We'll be here. We'll be here. Get you on board real quick, and then and take care of your pictures. Now.
you're in for a treat. Bill Snyder has 17 years experience working in the government black projects. He carried a level three security clearance. He's a former government geologist and engineer in the black projects, underground bases at areas 51, S4, and Los Alamos. He's gonna expand your mind here this morning. Please welcome Mr. Phil Schneider. I'm Phil Schneider. Uh, I spent 17 years in black budget programs, um, government geologist as engineer, structural engineer, with aerospace applications. Uh, Self-taught metallurgist became uh, uh, kind of famous in my own right. Um, I basically uh, would have a set of notes here, but they're unavailable <laughs> in all this melee. Up here I have different artifacts uh, explaining uh, some of them are alien metals that have been produced both on this planet and the confines of outer space that are now used in all stealth aircraft. So all stealth aircraft, for instance, all black jets, uh, what you're seeing of, of black helicopters and the like, uh, the skins and the coatings and the residues that are used predominantly in the, in the aircraft themselves, in the airframes and the, in the rotor blades and the fans and in some cases in submarines, uh, special titanium hulls in the Phoenix-class submarines now. Uh, all these come from, all this has come from alien technology. 1947 is what the public has been told. Uh, something crashed in the backyard in New Mexico, a place called Roswell, New Mexico. Unfortunately, that's what the public's been told. The military's known about the alien question for the better part of 70 years, and they first saw their glimpse of what was going on as early as 1909 in the American Southwest. Now, Army cavalry evidently were chasing some bandits, and they entered this cave. They were holed up in a cave, and what they found in there was flying discs and, and little gray guys and all kinds of weird things, and they didn't know how to explain that, and they wrote them down as best they could, and it's been in secret archives ever since. That's up in the, this in the, down by the Truth or Consequences uh, area of New Mexico. Well, the alien thing is more than just a what I'd call a non-visible threat. We on the surface, first of all, all information dealing with alien or alien reproduced technology or alien reproduced vehicles or any other kinds of things, well hidden from the American public. Our black budget, for instance, garners $1.023 trillion every two years. It's over $500 billion a year. But right now, there are 131 active deep underground military bases in the United States. There's 1,477 of them worldwide. Each one has an average cost of 17 to 19 billion dollars. Each one is uh, built in the site. Uh, oh, it used to be it'd take a year to two years to build each one, and now they're capable of building a couple of them a year uh, with sophisticated methods. Now, uh, my colleague uh, Al Bielik has actually been on some of the high-speed railways 
the magneto-leviton trains that connect all the deep underground military bases within the United States. He's been on a Mach 2 train and floats off of, floats off of a single rail at a, a three quarters of an inch off the rail and is uh, what you'd call high tech. We have nothing like this on the service. Uh, the public basically has been totally lied to. We're considered stupid or even moronic in some cases. Uh, it's got to stop. If, if we're going to gain our country back, we must, and I repeat, must, regain, we must instill in our public officials, anybody that goes and does public service, they must tell us the truth. If they cannot do this, then, then they must be impeached or they must, must be removed from office. If this cannot occur, if, if the truth cannot totally come out, the, the, I, there are reasons for secrecy, for instance, but if the truth cannot totally come out, uh, what's the use in us having anything called freedom? Okay, now I have pictures here that I'm going to show you during the break and artifacts. And I ask you to kind of look at them but not handle them. I have actual crashed retrieval metal from Roswell, New Mexico. It's given to me when I was 14 years old. For instance, I've got other things. I've got pieces, pieces of this piece of titanium, a special titanium alloy made for everything from the original SR-71 Blackbird. It's old hat now. Uh, F-117A is their old hat now. Uh, they're making a whole new class of hypersonic above Mach 5 aircraft that employ they employ extremely modern charged particle beam weapons. They don't even use lasers anymore. Uh, computer enhanced imaging radar. Although it's used in helicopters for public surveillance, computer enhanced imaging radar, and in satellite technology, uh, the brand new kit on the block is a, is a kind of infrared technology uh, where a, a satellite at 150,000 miles out in a geosynchronous orbit, or not quite geosynchronous orbit, but but these spy satellites can literally look in and see a dime on the floor, say on your kitchen floor. They have a resolution factor of 99.999961. Uh, this particular piece of metal, I'm going to drop it on the floor here, it'll kind of ring like a bell. You can't break it. Withstand temperatures in excess of 7,500 degrees Fahrenheit. It has niobium in it. It also has muronite in it, element 123. Yeah, please do. Uh, it's in a it's in a non-crystalline form. This is just kind of a dripping off of the out of the main crucible. Here's a crystalline example. It's in the scalenohedral crystalline form. We got this from the large grays. Uh, technology. Uh, this is grown in the confines of, of outer space, which has not quite a super vacuum, but uh, by the way, this is capable of withstanding temperatures in excess of 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, it's great for uh, certain parts of aircraft. Uh, this kind of material I work with on a daily basis. Up here we have a transparency of Groom Lake. Groom Lake is where the infamous Area 51 S4, S2 
a CIA base. Uh, uh, it was originally a bombing range, a nuclear test site. Uh, it was later become the most secret base in the United States. Um, it employs over 18,000 workers who work in shifts of 12 hours a, at a whack. Most of them work in the cover of darkness, like us. We built out nine underground military bases there, each with an average uh, uh, capacity, capable of basically a city underground, roughly four and a quarter cubic miles hollowed out underground. They have boring machines, for instance. Now, boring machines, for instance, they don't bore. They literally vitrify and melt the rock, deflagrate the rock. It's a very sophisticated laser uh, uh, melting and deflagrating system. It reduces the rock to a powder and then melts the, the remaining rock as a coating on the inside of the base so you don't have to use gunite cements and other kinds of things like that. That's all, the, all old hat now. Uh, technology is just basically the new technology we get is the old hat of the military. I'm going to be real brief about it. I carried a level one security clearance, the Riley 38 factor. There are very few of us. There's nobody except myself, to my knowledge, talking like this. <clears throat> nobody. I'm breaking the law. I'm breaking world as well as federal law. I'm coming out and even talking about this to a group of people. I love my country more than I love my life. Two weeks ago, I was shot in the shoulder. I don't want to gore you women out, but I was shot in the shoulder up here. I recently have become friends of a of a uh, retired FBI agent who took me under the wing. He says, I've never seen a person braver than you. And I said, well, there's more coming. Our patriot movement in these United States is going to pick up the ball, and we are going to kick the parasites out. First of all, George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, a few other founding fathers, Patrick Henry to mention a few, all had visions that these United States was going to live 700 years from where they were standing, and that was uh, somewhere around the, uh, the late 1700s, early 1800s. So you can count this country. This country isn't going to go to a new world order. I believe firmly in constitutional law. I'm not very well skilled at it, and that's my embarrassment. But I'm going to be real blunt about it. The government that is now instilled in ruling over us are ruling as we're serfs, and they're the kings and queens. Now, that's a feudal system. That isn't even a democracy. We are now being ruled by an autocracy and a technocracy. In other words, technical knowledge is rules as king with a feudal-type system. Feudal systems haven't been used in the last 350 years, and they're coming back like gangbusters. If we are complacent, if we do not speak out in droves, and I'm not just talking about me, I'm talking about a bunch of us getting together and getting on the stump and loving our country more than we love our lives, 
getting on. Some of us are going to get killed. I almost got killed a couple of weeks ago. I hadn't been for a uh, hadn't been for an FBI, a retired FBI man, who risked his life, his career, everything, put it all on the line, and he didn't know me from Adam. A week prior to that, well, he he re he listened to one of my tapes I gave up in Post Falls, Idaho, and I'm gonna be very blunt about. He mentioned he said that. We need a lot more of you, but unfortunately, we're not getting anybody. Well, I'm trying to, I'm not the best speaker in the world, but I'm trying to relay to you that we need to get out and seriously get the message out. These shows are great. This, this hall should be absolutely packed, standing room only, and we should be getting the message out to as many people as we can with as many shows as there are, as it possibly to reach the many is the public we ought to get on talk shows we've got to get on we've got to get on news shows and TV shows and we have to really get the message out and I think we're doing it but it's it's a little bit slow in the in the first part that's that's just that part of the what I want to say in working with the black projects I was very loyal I was picked because I was very strong mentally. There's a bunch of us that were picked because we don't crack under pressure. We don't freak under pressure, so to speak. Everyday events don't bother us. Now, I was involved in something very controversial, almost totally unbelievable to most of you. Some of you are religious people. I think all religions religions have a time and a place and they definitely have a place in America now another thing I want to reach to you is that during the unbelievable part I was involved in building another base onto in inside of Dulce New Mexico which is Los Alamos laboratory it's a biological laboratory on the southwest part of the Archelada Mesa, uh, we built an underground facility, a better part of three cubic miles, all about underground. Then to the southwest of that, we built, we were, we were in the process of the early stages of building, we drilled four large uh, tunnel-like holes. Some of them ran two and a half miles under the surface. Uh, number the early, at that time, number the original uh, uh, wells or uh, drilling uh, machines that were used were were um, uh, at the rate of uh, two miles a day. It was fairly rapid. The equipment kept coming up broken, so we wanted to go down. We wanted to send somebody down there, a human observer or human observers in this case, to find out what was going on. Well, to our total surprise, first of all, the government knew all about it. They didn't tell anybody. Uh, when I saw Green Beret and Black Beret people encamped inside of our geologist camp, I knew something was up, the gig was up. First of all, I knew all about the alien agenda. I'll explain that in a few minutes. The large alien greys had been encamped there for as best as believed possible about four or five hundred years. It had been one of their internal bases. And we 
we drilled holes right on top of it. All the stinking air, all the black sooty air came right out as soon as one the first hole was sunk and all this soot came up and well that's when it all all the hail broke loose really, all it started. Anyway, after we drilled all four holes, it took about a, two days to drill all four of them. And when you build a underground base, you drill four basic holes and then you build you call stopes or cross member holes across and then you bla use blasting equipment, you know, special blasting equipment by the analyzation of the rock formation and you literally blast out or tunnel out or, or deflagrate or melt rock out to build the large rooms that are required for this underground base. Well, in this process I was lowered down the basket of one of these holes and about from me to this elderly woman here in the front was sitting a seven foot tall alien gray. The stench was worse than the worst garbage can you can imagine. Uh, the person was at, or the entity was absolutely horrible. I didn't waste any time. I reached for my pistol. At that time, as an engineer, I didn't have time to carry all the folder, all of one of these big submachine guns that all the sea spray and the yellow fruit and the, all the uh, outer perimeter and inner perimeter security people carried. I carried a little Walter PPK pistol with a nine-shot clip. <clears throat> this was in late August of 1979. Now, you got a regular suit of clothes. You got a regular clothes on. Plus, you're in a almost like a spacesuit environment, and you're reaching for a gun. It's it's not the easiest thing to do, and then to pop a clip in it and start shooting. And I killed two of them. Yes, they're mortal, and they do die. However, in the process, uh, one of them did this. I all I remember is that he just kind of waved his hand in front of his chest and the next thing I know this blue beam hit me and just literally opened me up like a fish and every, uh, burnt, burnt my fingers right off of me and it was some form of electrical force because the kind of like hit, being hit by a lightning bolt burned all my toenails off of me uh, completely crispy crittered my left foot burnt the shoe right off of me um, all I remember is the smoking remains and I'm laying almost, I'm still conscious but in and out of, I didn't remember much. And there was a, a Green Beret that was right behind me that risked his life, in fact he died, but he risked his life, he shoved me back in the basket and hit the button and took me up. I wouldn't be alive talking to you today if it wasn't for him. <laughs> 